0: support for MindShift comes from Landmark College, offering a fully online graduate-level certificate in learning differences and neurodiversity programs. Visit landmark.edu slash certificate to learn more. Hey there, this is Brittany Luce from NPR's It's Been a Minute. KQED's podcasts like The Bay, Bay Curious, MindShift, Right Nowish, and more all tell the stories of the Bay and beyond with reliable human-centered journalism.
1: Hello, and welcome to the MindShift podcast from NPR member station KQED, where we dig into the future of learning and what it means for our kids. I'm Katrina Schwartz. And I'm Ki Sung. Today, Katrina has a story about a public middle school in San Francisco that was drowning in behavior issues. But this isn't a story about the problems in public schools. It's a story about hardworking educators who are willing to try something new, and about how that flexibility and teamwork Changed the kind of academic work happening at the school. It's hard to overstate the problem Principal Michael Essian faced at Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Academic Middle School. The school, most people call it by the initials MLK, had a lot of behavior problems. To get a sense of the magnitude of this problem, kids were sent to the principal's office over 2,000 times in Essien's first year. When kids acted out in class, teachers sent them to this room where they waited until a counselor could talk to them. That room was a problem.
0: It was just bad. Like at one time, we would have like 20 kids in there. You'd just hear through the walls, sort of like screams and loud music and cursing as the one person supervising this room of 10 kids who's been kicked out of class is trying to keep things under control. Teachers
2: saw it as an easy way out. Kids saw it as an easy way out. I would just say that overall, uh, education was not taking place. It wasn't a good situation.
1: Those are MLK educators Clifton Seto, Jennifer Founds, and Michael Essian. MLK serves a high-needs population. Some of these young people struggle with significant mental health issues, including suicidal thoughts and substance abuse. And on top of all that, many more kids come to school hungry, traumatized, and lagging academically. These are tough teaching conditions.
0: My first year was pretty crazy.
1: This is eighth grade English teacher Jennifer Founds.
0: Unlike my very first day, I had like a student laying down across the door, like screaming.
1: <laughs> she wasn't alone. Teachers spent all their time trying to deal with the worst behaviors. Kids were missing lots of class time in detention. And the support staff were overwhelmed. It was chaotic, not a great environment for learning.
2: All teachers could deal with uh, in any setting was the overwhelming behavior.
1: Michael Essien became principal of MLK two years ago, but he's a veteran educator. He's got this way of focusing intently on whoever he's talking to, and his smile is infectious. Sometimes he wears bow ties. He taught high school math for eight years before going back to school to become a special education teacher.
2: I wanted to learn how students learn, and which led me to special ed.
1: He was in the classroom for over 20 years before becoming an administrator he's no stranger to difficult students. And for much of that time, he focused on how to better prepare black and Latino students for the UC system.
2: It was not necessarily about a kid needing to sit in a chair and listen to the, the teacher lecture. We ended up teaching kids through project-based learning. So we had kids doing things like building prosthetic arms, like literally building it. Um, kids had to figure out how to measure the uh, campanile without using measuring tape.
1: Essien wants students at MLK to do the hands-on, project-based learning he loved to teach. To get there, he needed to get the behavior issues under control. First, he identified the biggest troublemakers and had staff escort them between classes.
2: But that doesn't keep a kid necessarily in the classroom. That's transitioning.
1: So that didn't work. Next, he tried talking to kids about what was going on in their lives when they got sent out of class.
2: So we were holding amazing conversations with kids. Uh, What we found out most of the time when kids would arrive in our offices, that they were actually hungry.
1: It was powerful to hear what kids were dealing with, but this approach didn't really solve his problem either. Kids still weren't in class, and worse, talking with a counselor about what happened did nothing to restore the relationship with the teacher.
2: Case in point, um, young man, I need you to sit down. I ain't going back to seat. This is the second time I've told you to sit down. This happens all the time with you. I'm tired of this in the morning, right? Every day I have to deal with this issue, right? And so what Like the kid is now stressed out again?
1: This is a super common scenario, and usually it ends up with the teacher kicking the kid out of class.
2: Now, that was a conflict with some real emotional residue. That kid has to come back to that class, whether it's the next day, a couple of days later, but that kid is in the class for the rest of the year. How do we repair that? That was the challenge.
1: So strike two. Essien realized teachers needed to talk to students in the moment of conflict, so that emotional residue didn't build up.
2: That was a really great idea, but teachers are actually paid to teach. And the behaviors were happening so frequent, if we're expecting teachers to hold restorative conversation, that means they're not teaching.
1: It's kind of a catch-22. Conflicts between teachers and students happen in class but there's no time to resolve them because the other kids deserve to keep learning. Essien knew that teachers couldn't both teach and mediate at the same time. And just like that, what seemed like a good idea fell flat. Strike three.
2: We were asking teachers to do too many things. They needed to be um, rigorous in their instruction. Uh, They needed to be big brother, big sister. They needed to be counselors. They needed to be therapists. And how are teachers supposed to do all of that and still deliver a quality lesson?
1: That feeling that there's just too much expected is familiar to many teachers. But often that's where the conversation ends, with each teacher doing his or her best to play all the roles, constantly feeling like a failure when it doesn't all go right. And that leads to burnout.
2: At the core of what I saw, teachers were really stressed out.
1: And when teachers are stressed out, they don't always realize how their actions can make a situation worse. Essien saw this happen over and over, so he got his teachers trained in how to de-escalate
2: conflicts. Teachers learn about nonverbal communication. Tone, volume, cadence, word choice, proximity are important. Those things impact whether something's going to escalate or de-escalate, and we need to be aware of how we're communicating.
1: So let's say a teacher tells a student to sit down, but the student is defiant or doesn't respond at all. If the teacher keeps after him, it becomes a power struggle.
2: It turns into, uh, you're not my dad, you're not my mom, you can't tell me what to do, you're always picking on me. Well, if teachers know that this is going to be the pattern with student X, in de-escalation, what happens is... You don't engage. You drop the rope. You don't re-engage with student X and say, I need you to sit down. He he didn't respond or she didn't respond. You literally go to the phone and call for push-in service.
1: That push-in service is Essien's last big brainchild. After trying so many different approaches, it's the one innovation that has begun to transform behavior at MLK Middle School. Rather than sending kids out of class when they act up, Essien devised a system where counselors go into class when a teacher calls for help.
2: You literally pick up the phone, you dial zero, comes to the main office, you say I need pushing in room 113, hang up the phone, and then you go back to teaching.
1: The teacher doesn't engage with the student who's acting up, and when the counselor arrives, her job is to get the student calmed down and back on task. Sometimes that means supervising the lesson so the teacher can have a quick, private conversation. This is happening
0: constantly. Definitely
1: every day. What does that look like? What happens? Walk me through it.
0: So we get a push-in and we we have a rotation. And <coughs> This is Antoinette Maroc.
1: She was head counselor when I visited, but has since moved to the district office.
0: Uh, the idea of going to the room and, and the push-in is to help the teacher repair the damage, the harm that has been done, the disturbance, the whatever you, you, know, you want to call it, in the class, so what we do is we come, the teacher comes and tells us uh, a student did X, Y, and Z, and I, I'm gonna step out and talk to them. So we step in, and they step out. The
1: push-in system has taken the biggest toll on the support staff who do things like hold counseling sessions, deal with fights, make calls and visits to student homes, and help kids apply to high school. Everything these people do is based in relationships with kids.
0: They basically respond to us in a much different way than they respond to other adults. And then that's what the teachers you know, count on, that we can go in there and, and you know, up oh, there we go. As we talk, a call for a
1: push-in comes in over the walkie-talkies they all carry. Uh, there's a
0: push-in. Push-ins.
1: Coming up, we go on a push-in. Stay with us. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcast. The social worker Sumatra Downing is next up on the push-in rotation. I follow her down the hall. Push in, babe. Up the stairs to a classroom on the second floor where kids are taking the big state-mandated tests.
0: So it does testing, but let's finish.
1: These tests matter. They're the official measure of the school's academic progress. When we arrive at the classroom, a stressed out teacher meets us to say a student has run out of class.
0: Hi, am sorry, I don't know where he
1: is. OK. And you don't know what the issue is? And he was in a fight. And so he left the classroom? He,
0: like, bolted that way, so.
1: Downing promises to find him. That was kind of a dramatic one. <laughs> Not so bad. <laughs> Turns out what seemed dramatic to me is actually pretty commonplace. They call it a walkout. Just a few minutes later I get to see a more textbook example.
0: 116. Uh, one oh. sixteen. This will be a real one. Yes. Six one sixteen.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Clifton Seto, another counselor, is next up on the rotation. But if you're at a big school, I always
0: wondered like it might take
1: you as we're walking to the room, he tells me this system might not work on a bigger campus. If it takes too long to arrive at the room, things might already be out of control.
0: We're trying to take the ASBAC test. He's playing around. Okay, let's
1: talk to him. Sido takes the student out into the hallway to hear him out.
0: So what's going on? I just kept on getting up, trying to get up. Mm-hmm. I went to put the book back. Didn't get the pencil. And then. Why, why do you need a book if you're t- you guys are taking the ASBAC? I finished mine.
1: You finished your ASBAC? Okay. I finished mine yesterday. this Okay, good.
2: So, what are you supposed to? If you finish your SBAC, you're supposed to read a book? Yeah. Okay.
1: That's
0: one i the
2: You're about to get a book? Okay. And were you being disruptive? Kind of. Kind of. Thank you. So, can we get a book and read? Yeah. Okay. So, where is the book?
0: On my desk. On your desk? Yeah.
2: Okay. So, are we good? Yeah. Okay. Alright. So, you're ready? Yes. Okay.
1: It sounds pretty simple. But Cito thinks my microphone may have affected how that interaction went.
0: That was actually one of the easier ones.
1: So, like, what would he normally
0: have done? Um, well, I know him very well, but he, I don't know, maybe it's that. Maybe it's the relationship, but he's usually more, no, I didn't do anything wrong.
1: And this is how it goes all day long. The nine-person support team is constantly at the ready to help teachers when they call for push-in services. It's pretty common to have 25 or more a day. Cito admits being on call this way is disruptive.
0: Pushing is a priority because you know the student is escalated. So sometimes we have to drop what we're doing Mm -hmm. and go for a push-in. And it makes it hard to kind of get stuff done like your other things done. Mm -hmm.
1: The social worker, Sumatra Downing, really feels this tension. She's supposed to be working with the kids who have more severe mental health issues. And yet, when it's her turn to do a push-in, she has
0: to go. My students know if it's my number, I either I'll go to the push-in, sometimes I'll take the kids with me and have them sit while I go do the push-in, but it interrupts the time that I should be serving kids.
1: The push-in system might seem straightforward, but it's not that common. Often the adults in schools work in silos. Discipline is separate from mental health support, which is separate from teaching. At MLK, it's more like an unselfish basketball team.
0: I think it feels with pushing, more like we're all on the same team. I think it communicates this idea that we're here to learn and all of our interests are for students to be in the class and learning and engaged.
1: This is English teacher Jennifer Founds again. She says once students got used to the push-in system, behavior issues decreased dramatically. Kids know they can't get out of class easily anymore. So even the threat of a push-in can be enough sometimes. Eighth grader Mia Neville says that works sometimes, but admits teachers have called push-ins for her. She says in her case it's usually for using her cell phone in class or not following instructions. Do you think that that it's a positive change to have the
0: push-ins? I mean, yeah, because they get you back on track, and if you're too wild, then they'll see you out of class and take a chill pill, and you're ready to go back to class.
1: To be clear, she's talking about a metaphorical pill.
0: And then are you able to, like, actually learn? Yeah. Once you, like, calm down and ready to focus more, then... Yeah.
1: So grudging approval anyway. The kids don't know about all the work going on behind the scenes. The social worker, Samatra Downing, says teachers have even started coming to debrief after the push-in.
0: They might come and say, OK, well, what did you see? Do you think I did this wrong? Could I have done this? So that's nice. It actually has definitely helped bridge some communication between student support and the teachers. She
1: says teachers are getting better at dealing with behavior in the classroom. And that's had a calming effect. When there was chaos, it seemed like half the school was in crisis and needed extra services. But as things calmed down, Principal Essien got a clearer picture of the couple dozen kids who were really struggling.
2: It creates the possibility of building stronger bonds. So when people aren't being upset at each other, it creates the groundwork for different relationships to form.
1: The problems became more manageable, and teachers could finally start thinking about how to improve their teaching. That's been Essien's goal all along.
2: When we had significant challenges around the behavior, teachers weren't thinking on that level because they were stressed out. They were thinking survival.
1: As you're talking about it, like I'm almost thinking about it like the teacher was drowning before. Now it's like the water has receded a little bit and we can just look at the fact that like every once in a while there's a little flood.
2: Yes, and I'm saying we're not even treading water now. We're swimming.
1: The changes in Jennifer Founds' English class are a good example. In a recent unit on immigration, students researched an aspect of the topic that interested them, interviewed community members, and created videos about what they learned.
0: Compare that to what my students three years ago were doing. I was like begging them to write one paragraph about the Irish immigrants.
1: These positive shifts are showing up in the school's performance on standardized tests, too, although Essien admits they still have a long way to go. He's particularly worried about the disparity for black and Latino boys. He knows this group can do great things with the right supports.
2: When I was coming up, I had some troubles in school. Matter of fact, um, I have a younger brother. He's 10 years younger, and we all went to the same elementary, middle, and high school. And when I became a teacher, he was going through classes, and he shared with some of my former teachers, like, yeah, my brother's a teacher. And they did not believe that I had become a teacher. There was no way. Michael Essien have become a teacher. So I have a different lens. So when I see behavior, I know behavior doesn't mean that you're a bad person or a bad kid, etc. I do know that if you're walking around the school and you've been suspended multiple times and have multiple referrals, I do know that you can still potentially end up being a graduate of UC Berkeley twice.
1: A lot of kids who come through MLK are just confused middle schoolers, that most confused of all student groups. And while things at this school are far from what you'd call calm, the adults in the building have created a culture where the kids come first. And they've gotten a handle on what felt like an impossible problem. is a production of kqed public media and npr member station to learn more about how innovative teachers are changing what happens in classrooms check out our website kqed.org slash mindshift the mindshift podcast is produced by me ki sung and katrina schwartz our editor is jacob conrad seth samuel is our audio specialist special thanks this week to michael essien as well as staff and students at mlk middle school Also, thank you to our KQED colleagues, Paul Lancour, Olivia Allen-Price, Vinny Tong, and Julia McAvoy. And if you have a moment, please leave us a review wherever you find your podcasts. It's a simple way to help other people find the show. See you next time.